What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 73 of the Adult Education Podcast. I'm Jeff St. Pierre, and today we're talking money, and I promise it'll be interesting. My guest is Emily Guy Birkin. I hope you're all doing well. Thank you so much for checking out my show, The Adult Education Podcast. I got a message from someone asking where this show came from, so I'll give you a quick rundown. It's pretty easy, two parts, actually. The first is that I kind of found and continue to find myself in sort of a rut at my day job. I felt like my voice has been kind of silenced and I just needed a new creative outlet. Also, I love to talk to people and learn new things, so that's where The Adult Education Podcast came from. I speak with people from all walks of life and specialties to learn more about them and what they're best at. Now today, we're talking about money. And if your first thought after hearing the word money is to zone out, I am right there with you. I hate it. I hate talking about money. It just makes me physically uncomfortable to discuss it. That's why I love today's conversation. I'm speaking with author Emily Guy Birkin about her new book, Stacked, Your Super Serious Guide to Modern Money Management. Emily teamed up with popular podcaster and money whiz Joe Saul Sihai for the book. Joe hosts the podcast Stacking Benjamins, really funny and relaxed look at money management. And Emily, she's no slouch. She's written four other books before Stacked, the most popular probably being The Five Years before you retire. In the money world, she's an A-lister, but as you'll hear more in the conversation, talking about money doesn't always result in much humor, but she was able to let loose and stacked, and she was really happy about that. As much as I hate talking about money, I also know that I need to be smarter about it. Reading this book has really opened my eyes to a lot of common sense and easy ways to get started, and speaking with Emily eased my stress a little bit. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as we discuss some helpful tips for budgeting, why tracking apps are stupid, and how it's weird to go back to your hometown after you've been gone for a while. Now, before we jump in, I just want to ask you to please subscribe to Adult Education on whatever platform you're using right now. We should be on all of them. You can even subscribe on multiple platforms, you know, if you want to do that. And if you have a minute, it really helps out the show if you can leave a rating and it helps even more if you can share a few words in a review. I'd really appreciate that. Also, we're on Instagram at Adult Education Podcast. How are you doing? Doing just fine. Good. I'm assuming this is Emily. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> How is and the I whirlwind been? Baltimore? I am Baltimore. Yeah, we are down in Baltimore. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're digging ourselves out that's, of the snow today. Yeah, that's my hometown. So that's oh, where really? I grew up. Yeah. Whereabouts? Yeah. So uh, I went to Randallstown High School, okay. if that it helps at all. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, Woodstock is officially where I, oh, yeah. where, yeah. I where I, uh, I grew up. Yeah. There's a particular bar in Woodstock. I don't know if it's still there. Um, and I can't think of the name right now, but probably because I've had way too many drinks there. Uh, but I am familiar with Woodstock. <laughs> <laughs> so are you from Baltimore or did you move there? Recently no, I'm a, uh, I'm a transplant. Yeah. I've been, well, I've yeah. been here for about 14 years, but I grew up in New Hampshire um, and oh, then okay. went to college outside Philadelphia, then got some work in Maryland and here I am mm-hmm. in Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh so I went to college in Ohio, um, and then just stayed. Um, yeah. and that's where I met my husband. Uh, and he is a mechanical engineer. He was working for Honda when we met. Um, and then we just keep moving further West. Cause, uh, then he got a job with Caterpillar in Lafayette, Indiana, and now he's working for Harley Davidson. So we're in Milwaukee. So, but I, I told him no more moving. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to bury me in this house. I'm not moving again. <laughs> it's funny that you say you just keep moving West because I always joke with people. I keep moving South to mm-hmm. Flo- eventually Florida where I'll die with everybody else at some point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was, I, I, I used to say like, yeah, when I hit the Pacific ocean, I'll stop. <laughs> yeah. It's been an interesting ride. It's funny. I've been gone 
I, I moved away from home at 18 when I went to school and I really mm-hmm. haven't been back since. So it's funny. I've been gone longer than I lived there now, which is a, mm-hmm. a weird thought. You know, I, I still, yeah. I still live there longer than any other one particular location, but it's mm-hmm. just weird to think that, you know, like I grew up near Boston. So whenever somebody would say like, where are you from? I'll always say Boston and they'll ask me for mm-hmm. things. And I'm like, well, I left when I was 18. So I don't even know what's there. Like, I don't even know mm-hmm. what bars and restaurants, I couldn't go to bars and restaurants when I was 18. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's yeah. still there. Like, it's just so funny that my hometown really, really isn't home anymore. You know, mm-hmm. it's not really a yeah. home anymore. Yeah. I have a similar thing with Baltimore. Um, cause there's a lot of stuff. Cause I, uh, I, you know, went to college when I was 18, I'd come home for, for sure. breaks and things like that. But, um, I, so there's a lot of stuff that I, I missed out on. And so like, particularly my family will be like, Oh, Hey, yeah, you just take the Jones falls expressway. I'm like, pretend like I don't know anything (laughs) because it has been that long. It makes you feel any better. I just figured out what the Jones Falls Expressway was like two years ago. And I lived here for 12 years at the time. I always just called it 83. I didn't know it was the Jones Falls Expressway. Yeah, that was... That was the problem. Like my dad was just like, yeah, you'll take the Jones Falls. And this has been a few years ago now. Uh, And it took me like, I was on 83 before I was like, oh, oh, this is okay. (laughs) I'm like, I I, I need you to to break it down even simpler for me. Where I'm from, we don't name the roads. Like you just have the Mm -hmm. routes, you know, Mm -hmm. the the number. So for me, it was like, it was 93, 495, whatever. But Mm -hmm. here they had like nicknames, like the Beltway and the Jones Falls Expressway Mm -hmm. and this and that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I have like Northwest Extension or something. I'm like, I don't know. Just give me the number. Give me the number Mm -hmm. I need. Mm -hmm. And that's all I need. (laughs) One of the things that I find weird about um, having moved to Milwaukee, so we moved here in 2016. Um, it was well after GPS was on everything. So I don't know my way around anymore sure. because um, when, uh, when I moved to Columbus, Ohio, um, you know, you had MapQuest, you had to print it out because this was in 2001. So I got lost a lot. And I, that's the city I know best because I got lost so many times, figured it out. And so now I'm like, I could, you know, get lost in Milwaukee and, and learn it better, but I got places to be. I don't have time for that. <laughs> and so you and I are about the same age uh, that if you were doing this in 2001, when you left and moved to Ohio. Um, when I was going to visit my university outside of Philadelphia, I remember Googling. So this is still like, you know, kind of the early era of Googling. And we were Googling a hotel to stay at. So we had a place to sleep. And I remember it sent us to a hotel, which now I know is like an hour away from the school, but it said it was the closest hotel. So we we're like, wow, there's nothing near there. That's crazy. And, and, you know, when I finally went there, there's hotels all up and down the street in every direction that you go. And I'm like, man, Google sucks. <laughs> and now, you know, people now, they have no idea what we used to have to go through to figure those mm-hmm, things out, mm-hmm. like MapQuest and Googling hotel locations. Like, it's so much easier now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do want to say thank you because this uh, this book is very helpful to someone like me who normally zones out the second somebody says money. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I guess I'll just take a back seat. Well, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, that was that was our hope that we could um, we could help reach the folks who would never pick up a financial book. I know that you've written other books before. Joe has not. So were you were you kind of relaying his and and you know, finance as well. But were you kind of relaying his information or were you a partner in this and putting everything together? Like how was how did this partnership work, I guess, is the question. Um, 
so uh, we did it as a partnership. So Joe is actually quite a good writer. He um, just has never written a book before. And um, when he's tried to do it on his own, he needed like, he didn't have the accountability partner kind of aspect of it. So the way we broke it up was um, we planned out, you know, what the, I think 14 chapters were going to be. And we each took seven. Okay. And so we each wrote the first draft of the, of, of our seven. And then we switched and, and edited each other's. Okay. Um, and that actually, it was, uh, it was really fun way to do it. Um, in part because, uh, I don't often get a chance to just let my humor off the leash. Um, <laughs> because that's, um, that's something that, uh, with money, a lot of my clients are looking for relatively serious stuff. But, uh, so I got to do that. And then I also had a specific person in mind that I was trying to make laugh. Cause I was just like, oh, I'm going to put this in. So joking, we can laugh at this. <laughs> and, uh, and so that was, um, uh, that was really pretty, pretty awesome. It is funny so, with financial stuff. Cause I've done interviews with people like for local public affairs programming for our radio station and, you know, different financial organizations. And they always give me like a script and you have to really mm -hmm. stay on target with that because you don't want to give any false information or lead people mm -hmm. to believe one thing or another. So it, it is interesting because there really isn't a lot of humor in finances. Like it's just not mm -hmm. something that you find. I don't know. If, I guess maybe it's just hard to joke about it. I, I don't, I don't know, but mm -hmm. that's, that was something that was so refreshing about your book is that there is the humor mixed in with the very serious information as well. Well, thank you. Yeah, that was, uh, it was one of those things where like when we were pitching it to, um, to various uh, publishers, it was like, this doesn't exist. Right. I mean, like there, I, I can think of one m funny money book and that was a Dave Barry book, but it wasn't actually imparting any information. It was just him making jokes about money. <laughs> um, and, um, and so like, that's one of those things where like, I, I feel like that's a real um, need because most people are going to say like finance book, <laughs> no right. snooze. Um, so to give, give somebody something engaging that they're interested in, in reading, I think is, is, is really important. Um, and it's real life humor too. Like it's not, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to say over the top, but there's one in particular, I wrote it down page 82, I think of the book where, uh, I don't know who wrote this part, but it was put that you, maybe you're someone that can't be trusted with an $11,000 credit limit in the highlighter aisle of Staples. And I was just thinking to myself, that is totally me because every time I walk into a Staples, I have to buy some sort of office supply. I don't know why, because I don't need anything, but I always need to, like, I don't know what it is about office supplies that you can't trust me around it. I need to buy mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Budgeting and tracking are two big things that you talk about in the book. And mm -hmm. I know there's a difference, but tracking has become such a popular thing for people, whether it's with money or working out or whatever, like tracking has become such a popular thing but it, it is important to point out that it's very different from creating a budget for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really common. And I've fallen victim to this myself where um, because you have written down everything you've, you've, uh, you've eaten, let's say, if, if, you're, uh, if you're trying to um, eat better, you've written down all of your reps at the, at the gym, you've written down um, everything you've spent money on. And then you're like, okay, I'm done. But that's not how it works because you need to actually take that information and say, what am I going to do with this moving forward? Uh, so if you are, you know, writing down everything that you ate, yeah, that can be helpful because you're thinking like, oh, I don't want to write down chocolate cake, so I'm not going to eat it. Um, 
or if you're writing down everything that you spend, like, oh, I really don't want to have to write down the fact that I spent $11,000 at Target, so I don't do it. Um, but what really is helpful is going back through the things that you've tracked and said like, oh, there's there's an opportunity here. I could increase this or decrease that. Um, oh, I did this and that I made the same mistake every week for the past six weeks. How am I going to um, change things so I don't make that mistake again? So just tracking uh, can be very satisfying in a lot of ways, especially with, uh, you know, you've got fintech that does these spreadsheets for you. They do the charts and the pretty pie graphs and all of that. Um, but that doesn't actually get you anything unless you do something with the information. Yeah, I remember uh, I have a couple of friends in California that always seem to be ahead of the curve when it comes to new really hip apps and stuff. So they, they always introduced me to things well before I ever would have found them on my own. But I remember mm -hmm. they introduced me to Mint many years ago. And I was mm -hmm. like, this is super cool. Now, this is before I got burnt out on tracking everything that I do on my phone. I just had to put my phone mm -hmm. down. But I, I was super into it for a while. And, and it, I had that realization about, I don't know, six months into it. Like, I'm putting everything in here and I'm watching everything. But what is it actually doing? <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing this the right way. Clearly I have failed in what I'm supposed to do. Well, and there's something um, very satisfying about tracking. Like one of the things that we talk about in the, the book, and it's one of my favorite pieces of presidential trivia is uh, Thomas Jefferson loved tracking his expenses, um, but he didn't do anything with the information and he died broken in debt um, because he wrote down every single outrageous purchase he made and didn't do anything with, the, with that information. Uh, and so that's a very common um, reaction because there is something kind of um, exciting. You know, you, you make those bullet journal trackers, you've got the trackers on your phone yep. and you're doing all of that, but it's uh, it's just one step of the process, uh, and actually, it's one that does not need to be um, is not the completion of the process, and that can be a problem. What was the nickname you guys used for Thomas Jefferson? Was it Tommy Jeff? Is that what it was? Yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tommy Jeff. <laughs> I like we're, that. We're one. close like that. Yeah, you guys are BFFs. You're good. You're you're fine. Um, can we talk about investing for a second? Sure. So I I know there's. I mean, we could talk hours on investing and how that whole process works. But I, I remember quite a few years ago when I first graduated college, I lived with two financial advisors who loved to point out how little money I made as a waiter. But that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> they, they picked the right career path, whereas I got into broadcasting, a totally different thing. Uh, when I remember going to them to ask about investing money. And I said, I've got, I forget what it was, 500 bucks or something like that. And they said, you can't really do it with that. You kind of have to go with a bigger chunk of money to make it worth it. This is 20 years ago. So times mm -hmm. are different. We have apps. Mm -hmm. We have all this. If someone was looking to invest, what's a realistic amount of money that somebody should be thinking about? I mean, it's probably not $5. You're not going to buy one share. But what's a mm -hmm. realistic amount of money that someone might be thinking about to invest in something? So I think what's really helpful is... Um, Investing these days, as you said, is a lot easier. And I think the the best way to get started if you don't have a lot of money is to make sure that you have a 401k or an IRA and open up with that because that is something that you can invest a small amount of money. You can say like, okay, I've got $500. I'm going to put it in my IRA. And then within the IRA, you decide how, how your assets are allocated. Um, and so that's how you can start investing with a small amount of money. And it's also helping to prepare you for your future, prepare you for retirement. And then that that is something that I think is 
uh, it kind of is a less intimidating way of getting into investing. Because if you say like, I've got $500 to invest and you're like, and what do I, what do I do? What do I do? Right. <laughs> There's so many investments, stocks, bonds. What is crypto? I don't know. Whereas if you say, okay, I'm opening up an IRA or I'm uh, you know, going to focus on the 401k at work, then you can say like, okay, I've got $500. What are the options within my IRA, within my 401k? And then um, you automatically kind of narrow the focus in a way that makes it a lot less intimidating and you have a lot fewer decisions to make. And then that's going to be uh, a lot easier for you and make for better decisions. When it comes to investing, I feel like in the last year, a lot of people learned about Robinhood because of that whole situation mm -hmm. with GameStop. What, what, in your opinion, are the best couple of apps that people can look at to maybe, you know, do some investing on their own? Uh, I'm not a big fan of Robinhood, quite frankly. Okay. Um, and the reason for that is that they um, they use gamification in a way that makes it a little bit too easy to play with your money. And that would be fine if everyone who downloaded Robinhood was someone who was just like, oh, this is just money I'm playing with. It's not gonna be my rent. It's not going to be. Sure. Uh, and there was a, a pretty high profile case of a young man who committed suicide because of losses on Robinhood. Um, and so, and they, the, to, to the company's credit, they have said that they are going to make changes, make sure things are clear, make sure that kids um, like this, this uh, guy, I think he was about 20, um, don't feel overwhelmed. And it was a, an on paper loss. He was not going to actually like the amount of money that he lost was like $720,000, oh but that was not actually going to be money he had to pay. There's that caveat. So for me, I am, um, I'm more of a fan of the kinds of, um, apps and uh, and programs and systems that allow you to mimic the type of investing that is proven to be successful. So for instance, I'm a big proponent of Vanguard. Um, and that's because, uh, and if you go on their website, it feels like you're in the late nineties. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is very bare bones. And like, they don't make it easy to like, click this and you've bought, click this and you bought, uh, you know, that sort of thing, because they want you to slow down and think about things mm -hmm. and, and uh, make choices that are going to allow you to have a, um, a slow investment process um, and slow accumulation of assets rather than constant trades, because those constant trades, not only does that open you up to possible um, uh, bad decisions in terms of making a bad trade, but every time you trade, there's going to be a cost for that. Mm. Uh, and so that's something that people don't necessarily think about, particularly if you've got, you know, lights and pretty colors and like, ooh, fun game. So that said, if you are interested in learning about investing and you do kind of want to just uh, dip your toe in it and you know, like, this is the maximum amount of money I'm willing to spend on this, willing to lose on this, things like Robinhood can be really helpful. We're actually using it to teach my sons about investing um, just so that they have a sense of like, this is what a stock is. We, we had them come up with a list of all of their favorite things and we picked four. So like, for, for instance, uh, one son loves Batman. And so we, uh, we invested, it was originally in AT&T because they owned Warner Brothers. Ah. It was then sold to Discover. So, uh, so that then we invested in Discover. And so we also invested in Disney because my other son uh, loves a whole bunch of Disney movies. Um, and so using it for that as kind of an educational resource can be a really, really helpful way to kind of um, lower the intimidation factor for investing. 
Oh, for sure. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with a good website that looks like it's from the late 90s. Because every once in a <laughs> while, when you're going around, you're just like, thank you. Thank you for toning down the colors and the flashing <laughs> lights and no auto videos playing. Just let mm -hmm. me go to the website and figure this out mm -hmm. on my own. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I want to go back to budgeting for just a second because I like this phrase, and it's actually the name of one of your chapters, but budgeting Tetris. Uh, can you mm -hmm. talk a little bit more about budgeting Tetris? So um, I've always had this very odd way of looking at money. It never um, had quite the, the high stress for me, um, even when I was making very little money. And some of that it comes from the fact that, you know, I, I always knew my parents had my back. Even, even right out of college, I was working at Barnes & Noble making next to nothing. But some of it is also just a mindset where I could see the way that my bills fit together, the way that my money and my budget fit together as kind of like a big Tetris game in that... Um, I knew I could win. I knew I could clear all my bills in the same way that you clear all the, the lines in Tetris if I could just figure out how to make things fit. Like, what if I turn things around? What if I look at it from another direction? What if I move this here? And so looking at your, your budget and um, your finances as a game that you can win is a really helpful way of changing your mindset. So instead of like, oh my goodness, I just got another bill. How am I going to make that? I, I can't do this. I can't do this. You go like, oh, okay. I just got another bill. How can this fit? How can I reallocate things to make sure that I have the money for this bill? And this would happen to me quite frequently, well, not quite frequently, twice a year, my, um, my car insurance would come due. Oh, sure. And I, I was, I was a, queen at handling my monthly budget, even when I was making $8 and 25 cents an hour, but the every six months, uh, um, uh, car insurance bill would come out at like, Oh no, where did that come from? And so that's when I would sit down with, uh, with my, my, my budget and like Tetris it out and be like, okay, well, if I do this with this, uh, bill, if I reduce that, then I'll have enough to cover that. And then I can, you know, take care of this bill that's comes up every once in a while. And so that's something that I think a lot of people can benefit from just kind of changing the mindset and thinking of this is a game I can win it. I'm not a great budgeter, but I, I do have to tell you my biggest pet peeve with budgeting is when people will say, well, if you just get rid of that coffee once a week, it'll, and I'm just <laughs> like, you know what? I understand that anytime you give up anything, you're going to save money, but mm -hmm. that three bucks a week is not going to buy my house, you know? And I know that that three bucks a week can go to something else. I, I get all of that, mm -hmm. but is that $3 going to make me happier in that moment? Or is the, <laughs> you know, I don't know, 200 bucks at the end of the year that I save going to make me happier. Like I, I always, I have such a hard time with that criticism. I, I, um, I have a, real non-love hate relationship <laughs> with, uh, with, uh, with those kinds of things. And for a couple of reasons, one, um, you know, the math, I can't quibble with the math. You know, if you, if you cut that every, every day, every week, whatever, you'll have however much at the end of the year. The problem is you're not actually saving that five bucks or that three bucks and putting it aside in a savings account. No one's doing that. Right. Um, it, it's just, it will just go elsewhere. It'll be lost in the wind, like, like any spending money. And then the other problem I have is if you are actually buying a $5 latte five days a week, every week of the year, you're also not paying attention to larger bills right? and cutting the larger bills are going to get you way more bang for your buck than the $5 latte. Uh, and one of the things that's really frustrating is um, when I wasn't making much money, um, I, I'd see these like, you know, do this one simple thing and you'll save $1,300 a year. And I'd be like, oh, I, can, I have like $1,300 and click on it and be like, stop drinking a latte every day. And I was like, 
I have one maybe a month and it's a, it's a treat that I, I, I look forward to. And so you're shaming me for this one thing that is going to make me feel good when I am struggling with money elsewhere. And what that's uh that is not actually helpful to anyone. <laughs> it's like those things you see where it's like this simple trick will help you lose 20 pounds. And it's like, stop mm -hmm. drinking soda. I'm like, I don't drink soda. So what else you got yeah. for me? Where's, where's my, <laughs> where's my quick fix? Help me out. Those sorts of expertise. Like it's, it's uh, it makes for good clickbait and uh, the, the math, math works, but it's, it's ignores how most people live. What's your biggest, since you know money and you know budgeting and you, you talk about budgeting Tetris, you've always been able to find a way to make the bills work and to and work it for you. What's your biggest temptation? What do you have the hardest time being like, ah, I really don't Oof. need this, but I yeah. really want it. So, um, it's gotta be books and stationery. <laughs> stationery. Okay. All right. Yes. So um, I, yeah, I really, I love blank notebooks. I have so many and I want more. <laughs> it goes back to our staples thing earlier. Like I don't, yes, what is it yeah, about that, office supplies? I cannot figure it out. Um, and so like, that's, uh, that's something that I, even if I just go into like our, our CVS, like our local CVS or something, I wander through the office supply aisle of the CVS. Like, I don't need anything here. I'm, I'm here to pick up a prescription. Why am I doing this? Um, and so what I find that's interesting is uh, my temptations are all relatively low cost, this, like small, low cost things. Um, so like, you know, a book here, you know, with a thing of, uh, of cute uh, um, post-it notes there, is not necessarily a big deal. It's an aggregate. It can be a problem. Uh, and I found like, what's funny is my husband doesn't make these little purchases. He, he saves up and makes a big purchase. Sure. Like he just recently bought like some sort of high-tech fishing pole. Um, and so, and so that's one of those things where like, um, I, need to pay attention to my little things because they add up in a way that his like, you know, once a quarter, he, he spends like $400 on something big. He's probably spending less than I am because I'm like, Oh, this week I want that book. Oh, this week I, I saw these cool pens. Um, and so that's why it's really important. Um, you know, to get back to that, you know, latte factor issue, it is important to, to pay attention to what your small temptations are because they can add up if you're not intentional about them. The trap that I found myself in at the beginning of the pandemic was supporting local business because mm -hmm. I, I, where I live, there's a lot of small businesses. My neighbor owns a small restaurant. And I just, I found myself in that point where I was like, well, I got to spend money because I got to support local businesses. But then after mm -hmm. a month or two, I was like, yeah, but I'm spending all this money and I'm not supporting myself. And I started mm -hmm. to feel so, I was so torn about it, you know, because I'm like, if I'm going to spend money, I want to help a small business, but I also need to save my own money because in my job, I did lose a little bit of cash in 2020 because of everything being shut down. And it was such a, a weird place to be because you're getting hammered with all this, you know, these bright, shiny lights, like support local, support local. But mm -hmm. like, and that is great. That is awesome. But you really do have to put yourself first and figure out your own budget first as well. Yeah. And that's why I think it's so important to um, come up with your own values. Um, and so like, what is it that you value? So, you know, one of the things like my, my husband and I did similar thing, we really do value our local restaurants. Um, and so we're like, okay, well, how can we um, value our local restaurants while also we value, you know, being frugal, we value, you know, um, uh, eating, eating healthy and, and cooking at home. And so we had, uh, for the, the beginning of the pandemic, we had, a it was every Wednesday was our takeout night. Yeah. Um, and so that was a way that we could do that where we could, um, 
honor both of those values of wanting to, to support our local businesses and make sure that we were getting money into the community that were really struggling while also um, maintaining our values of frugality, of eating healthy, of cooking at home, that sort of thing. Uh, and that's why it's really important to have those thoughts and, co and conversations if you're if you're in a um, relationship or if you've got an accountability partner um, on your budget, because that allows you to be thinking through what your decisions are. And so if you're, you know, for the third time in the week going to order takeout, you're like, does this really support my values as a whole or just one of them. Well, Emily Guy Birkin, the book is fantastic. It's called Stacked, Your Super Serious Guide to Modern Money Management. Super serious in quotations because it's a, uh, or <laughs> italics, I should say, because that's a little sarcastic, I would say. Uh, but it, 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 it is fantastic. I, I love that you put a little bit of humor in there. You put real life examples. You put real conversations from people in there too, to, to bring it to life in a way that a person like me who shuts down the second money comes up in conversation <laughs> can understand and can take information away from it. So I appreciate your work on this, your work with Joe. Uh, thank you so much. Before we wrap things up really quick, where can people go if they want to find out more info from you or from the book at all? Uh, so you can reach me at um, my website, emilyguyberkin.com. Uh, I also love connecting with people on Twitter. My uh, handle is at emilyguyberkin. And the book is available uh, everywhere books are sold. Uh, and you can find it on my website also um, at emilyguyberkin.com forward slash stacked. Well, Emily, it's been an absolute pleasure. Maybe I'll see you on the Jones Falls Expressway one day when you're home visiting <laughs> <Right>. family. <laughs> Take care. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much for everything. I appreciate it. You too. Bye-bye. Yeah. Big thank you to Emily Guy Birkin for her time. I edited this part out of the conversation, but I was supposed to talk with both Emily and Joe, uh, but Joe was late or forgot or whatever the situation was. She said to me right before we started talking that she was happy to do the podcast if I was okay with just her. I was like, no, 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 there is no just you. You're awesome. You're one of the authors too. So I'm glad she stuck it out. And I hope you check out the book, by the way, Stack, your super serious guide to modern money management. Thanks to you for listening. I appreciate your time. Until next time, be well.